Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to be here together today as we worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Amen. Amen. We're going to keep uh, Gina uh, in our prayers with her family. It's always uh, tough when we have an unexpected loss. And, and I, you know, Pat and his family are, are back from vacation, and so it's great to have you guys back. If you notice, it's that time of year, right, where, you know, th this section of pews open and that section, it's that we're all taking vacations, right? We're all enjoying our time in the summer, and, and so let's remember those who are traveling, and let's keep them in our prayers for safe travels, and uh, hopefully they come back refreshed and renewed, ready to serve the Lord. We want to thank Jim uh, for doing the Lord's Table this morning. He did a wonderful job, and, you know, it's, it's, such, it's wonderful when we have new men that are stepping up uh, to, to do different aspects of the Lord's, uh, of, of the worship service, because... Uh, at the end of the day, we're all called to, to, to serve the Lord, and, and uh, so whatever we, wherever we could use our talents, right, wherever, uh, it's not comfortable for many of us to do these things, right, but if we, if we could push ourselves out of our comfort zones, and, and many of the men could get involved, uh, it's going to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. If you look on the screen behind me here this morning, it says, be imitators of me, and no, I am not talking about me, and so you think about imitators of me, right? Probably since an early age, I mean, going back to when we were all just little babies, little nuggets, right? From an early age, we're imitators, are we not? You go back to who here has had children, right? We've, a lot of us have had children, right? And what's the first thing that the babies naturally begin to do? The babies naturally begin to imitate their parents. Maybe it begins with facial expressions, or maybe sometimes it's behaviors. But as they grow older, these same little children as become toddlers, they start to pick up their parents' mannerisms. They start to pick up their speech patterns. They start to pick up those little sayings, right? And it's, that's why you, know, you guys always hear uh, the darndest things kids say, right? Because many times, where do those uh, different, uh, where do those, Things that they say come from, good or bad, most of the time they come from the parents in the beginning, right? And we know that everything that these little kids pick up isn't always good behaviors, right? They like to mimic the good behaviors as well as the bad behaviors, and thus we have to be careful, right? And so children, uh, children also pick up the behaviors, pick up the behaviors of even other children, right? And if you're a parent, you know that those aren't always good things that they pick up when they when they start to head off to school and they start to pick up the habits and the things of children around them. But oftentimes, my point is, is that, you know, we are imitating others. But this doesn't just stop at childhood. How often does our imitation of others often roll into adulthood? Now, granted, you know, as we become adults, we're not maybe subject to, uh, to, to following the crowd as much as maybe we did when we were when we were younger, but isn't there still a peer pressure as we grow older, as we become young adults, as we become older adults? Isn't peer pressure still a thing? And so we're susceptible to that at times, less susceptible than when we were younger, but we're still susceptible. And oftentimes, how many times do you know that even into adulthood that we start to mimic maybe the behaviors of somebody in our, in our career life that maybe was successful, so we start to look at their career path, we start to look at what they do, and maybe we try to mimic some of the things they do. Isn't there a reason why they sell all these self-help books? 
Because somebody was successful somewhere along the way and they wrote it down and then you know your sales managers and others are buying these books and they're passing them out. Hey, you need to read this book. This guy speaks on some good principles, right? And so we're trying to mimic the behaviors of what? Of those maybe who are successful. But we also see those in society who aren't so successful, maybe have failed at some things, so maybe we don't want to necessarily mimic those, right? You don't see too many of those books that are written that become bestsellers, right? But as Christians, do you know that this concept really is a biblical uh, principle? It's a biblical principle. Because we know that we are called to, to, to mimic somebody. Are we not called to imitate somebody? And so as this is a biblical principle, we see that there is a pattern that's laid out for us in Holy Writ. Many people today are looking to, to someone to pattern their lives after. Uh, but the Bible tells us exactly who we should use as our pattern, does it not? And so brothers and sisters, what is a pattern? A pattern as defined by, uh, by Webster's Dictionary is a model or a form of, of something that's proposed for imitation. You look at Strong's Bible Concordance. What does it say about a pattern? It says it's a sketch for imitation. The first scripture that I want to look at this morning on the screen behind me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, which was just read for us, it says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And so that's what it was talking about this morning when it says imitate me on the first slide. The Apostle Paul calls us to imitate him as he imitated Christ. And he said that, and it was so very important, because before the word was written down in, in letter form, right, that we have to be known as the New Testament, it went out as oral tradition. And so he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Look at my example. And we're going to look at some of those examples here today. Paul's success, brethren, as an apostle, his success as an evangelist, can no doubt be attributed to his practice of following or mirroring, uh, mirroring the example of Jesus Christ. And so are we not called to be little Christs, right? How do we become little Christ, in a sense, if we're not mirroring uh, the, the, what we see as the example that Jesus set throughout Scripture? And so in doing so, the Apostle Paul, by, by, by following Christ, by uh, following Christ's example, by trying to mirror his life as a disciple after uh, the one he calls master, he, has, he became probably the most influential Christian that this world has ever known. It would be hard to argue that Paul was not the most influential Christian the world ever, has ever known. He's established numerous churches throughout the world at that time. Uh, he was chosen to write more New Testament letters than any other inspired writer. Paul stands today as an unparalleled example of dedication and faithfulness unto the Lord. You guys remember when you go back and you read in Corinthians about all the things that he suffered, how he was shipwrecked, he spent a night and a day in the deep, he was, uh, he was beaten uh, and, and lashed many times without number. He says, I was beaten so many times for Christ, I can't remember how many times I was beaten. I was stoned, I was left for dead, I was shipwrecked. I learned to be hungry. I learned how to be content when I was hungry and be content with plenty. He says, I have suffered much for the cause of Christ. But where did he see that example? He's seen that example in Christ Jesus himself. And so Paul stands today as an unparalleled example of dedication and faithfulness to Christ Jesus and to the kingdom of God. More about the Apostle Paul's life. Did you know that more of his life is written down in Holy Writ 
than, than any other person than Jesus himself. We know more about Paul than any other person that penned any, any part of the scriptures. And Paul is known today as, as probably the all-time most successful champion of the faith. You think about all the people who came to Christ uh, during his missionary journeys. You think about all the churches that he planted. Paul had accomplished so much through his efforts for the cause of the kingdom of Christ. And brethren, we need to look to his example. So he tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, imitate me. He says, I want you to imitate me because I imitate Christ. And I'm worthy of imitation because I don't do anything based on my own thought processes. I don't do anything based on my own pride or my own ego. I do everything based upon the word of the Lord. I do everything based on the commands of the Lord. And so brethren, these qualities... Uh, of Christ, which Paul was imitating, those are the things that I want to look at here this morning. We're going to look at probably about four or five different qualities, uh, depending on the time that we have. And I want us to look at those qualities to see what exactly he was imitating in Christ. And so this morning, the first one that we're going to look at is uh, the, the, the quality of sacrifice. Because you have to understand, brethren, that this, this morning as we look at these qualities, they are worthy of imitation. And that's why Jesus tells us that we are to, to shine the light of Christ. We are to go out into the world and to be that lamp that we put on a lampstand. Why? So we can give light to all we come in contact with. But in order to give light and to shed the light of Christ, we need to make sure that we make these qualities, that Paul made his qualities, we need to make these ours. We need to, need to imitate who Paul imitated. So the first passage I want us to look at here this morning outside of that one is Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 through 8. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul has to say here uh, as he was writing to the people of Philippi in regards to Jesus. He says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which also is in Christ Jesus, who although he, Jesus, existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something that could be grasped. He says, uh, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality as something that could be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the, uh, the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. In this first passage that the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Philippi, what is he talking about in regards to Jesus? He says, Jesus came to this earth he renounced equality with God. He made himself of no reputation. He made himself into the form of a bondservant, one who voluntarily gives over their life in service to another. And so he gave up the power that he had with God before the foundation of the world to make himself obedient even to the point of death, the death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself and became this obedient servant. And so, brethren, when we see all that Christ had to sacrifice, all that he suffered, brethren, we see why Paul makes the statement, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because in this next passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15, what does Paul say here? He says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Think about that for a second. I will, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Well, what is the Apostle Paul saying there in 2 Corinthians? He is simply saying that there is nothing that he would not do for the sake of those he is seeking to save. 
There's nothing that he wouldn't give up if it knows that it's going to lead to the salvation of souls. And I wonder, brethren, do we have that same mindset? As we imitate Paul, as he imitated Christ, do you have the mindset of sacrifice, of a sacrificial living? Are you willing to do anything and everything, no matter what the cost is to you, in order to bring somebody to Christ, in order to seek and save that which is lost? You know, before uh, coming to Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul, he had suffered and was mistreated in Philippi, if you go back and you read the scriptures. But that wasn't enough to send him packing. How many of us would have stopped after what Paul had to deal with at Philippi? How many of us uh, stopped even teaching or even sp spreading the gospel to others when we get a little persecution or a little kickback from some family or friends? But the Apostle Paul, he dared to continue on to preach, no matter what he suffered in Philippi. He goes to Thessalonica, he takes the misaligned gospel, so to speak, and he goes to Thessalonica. And he does what? He continues to hammer the message. He continu continues to preach the word of God, because he's taking the word of God out into all the world. Brothers and sisters, he showed nothing less than great bravery in taking the gospel out to a world that was oftentimes rejecting it. Ask yourself this morning, how much opposition, either within yourself or without, how much opposition, either within yourself or without, are, you, are we willing to overcome, to endure, to get the gospel message out to the people of our communities, to get the gospel message out to the people uh, that we come in contact with? Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to, uh, pos uh, to, are you willing to be in opposition to those who would speak against the church? and against Christ here today. You see, brethren, if we expect to grow as individuals, if we expect to grow as the, the Lincoln Park Church of Christ, each of us must be willing to sacrifice on behalf of the kingdom. Each of us must be willing to sacrifice on behalf of Jesus Christ. And if we keep Paul's example of sacrifice in mind, which in turn mirrors the example of the Lord, then brethren, we'll be successful in all that we do. The next quality that we have to look at, besides sacrifice, is purity. Because purity is so very important in the life of those who are claiming to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Even under the most extreme conditions of rejection and abuse, Jesus remained pure. Notice what this next passage of scripture is going to tell us. We're going to see here that Peter encourages us, to, he encourages us to follow the example of Jesus in maintaining our purity in the face of similar abuse that we may have to face. Notice what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ has also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his footsteps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he made no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Brethren, we see the Apostle Paul, he was personally chosen by God as to, to be one of his apostles, as we learned about in Galatians chapter 1. But part of that approval, and part of, that, uh, uh, part of the process of choosing Paul, I believe, is because of the zeal, because of the dedication, because of his personal purity. Remember, it says in Scripture that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, Right? To the law, found blameless, born uh, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, right? Born on the eighth, uh, sac uh, circumcised on the eighth day. And so why do I say all that? Paul was, uh, he was, 
He held himself pure in the sight of God and his intentions and everything that he did, even persecuting the church, he did with purity of intention. He did it in ignorance, not really knowing all the damage he was causing and who he was causing it to. And so the Lord had chosen him to be an instrument of his, to take the gospel out into the world, to take the gospel out to the Gentiles, to stand before kings and governors and Jews in order to preach the gospel with purity of heart. There was no error. There was no impurity. There was no deceit on the, on the part of the apostle Paul. He delivered the gospel to the people of Thessalonica with purity of heart and soul. In 2 Thessalonians, brethren, the scriptures tell us that you are witnesses. Paul's telling the people of Thessalonica, you are witnesses. As, as, and so is God of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among all of you who believed. Brethren, what's the point? Had there been any dishonesty? Had there been any deceits? Had there been any impurities on the part of the Apostle Paul? Those accusations against his motives uh, would, have been, would not have been accurate. And then people would have seen that he wasn't honest in bringing the gospel. But you see, there was no dishonesty. There was no deceit. There was no impurities. The Apostle Paul tells us in Scripture, and when you read his letters, he says, Never did I stop declaring the full counsel of God unto you. And it's up to you, brethren, to, to look at my manner of life. Look at how I conducted myself when I was in your presence. And you'll see that I did everything with sincerity of heart. Brethren, we must also be pure, as we learn about in James chapter 3, if we expect to be approved by God, if we want our ministry to be approved by God, if we want our ministry to be blessed by God, it must come from a pure uh, and unadulterated place. Brothers and sisters, to be entrusted with the gospel is a sacred honor. How many of us consider that being entrusted with the gospel as a sacred honor? Do you think of it that way? We must strive to uphold the purity of the word of God as we take that message out into the world. We must strive to do so in word and in deed with purity of hearts. Let there never be anybody who takes the message out with flattery of speech, with greed or hypocrisy or a, or a man-pleasing spirit that leads them in taking the message out because you will be rebuked by God in the end. Remember what Matthew 7 and 21 says. Jesus says, there are many Christians who are going to stand before me and say, did we not do all things you know, for you? And Jesus says, depart from me, for I don't even know you who practice lawlessness. You see, brethren, if we take the word of God out, and we don't have the proper mindset, the proper heart condition, if we do so with a men-pleasing spirit, meaning we're just telling people what they want to hear in order for them to come to Christ, brethren, that's not going to be pleasing to God, and it will not be acceptable. The next aspect besides purity that we need to look at is the idea of care. Brethren, this is so very important because the fact is, no one cared for the needs of people more than, more than Jesus Christ. You can't find anybody who cared for the needs of his people more than Jesus Christ. And you know why? Because we're his children. We're his children, and we are his creation. And God doesn't desire for any of us to perish or any of those in the world to perish, but that we all repent and turn back to God. So, brothers and sisters, in speaking to the citizens of Jerusalem, I want you to remember what Jesus had to say. I want you to remember about the compassion and the tenderness in which Jesus spoke to the Jews of Jerusalem. 
In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37, brethren, Jesus, he's imploring them. He says, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way, a, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. Brethren, you could see the care. You could see the tenderness. You could see the compassion that Jesus has for the, for the Jews of his day. How, how, how he longed to gather their children together to bring them into his embrace. The willingness, brethren, of Jesus to suffer and die for our sins was because he cared for us. Never forget what the Apostle Peter says. Never forget what it says in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him. Why? What does it say there? Because he cares for you. Brothers and sisters, again, in keeping with the example of Jesus, the Apostle Paul expressed unsurpassed care for the churches that were in his charge. As an apostle that was chosen by God himself, Paul could rightly, he could have rightly expected and even pressed the saints for support. And so at times he did accept support, but most of the time he rejected the support. The support. And he insisted that he had the right, but he ref usually refused to accept it. We learn about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But on the contrary, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the people of Thessalonica, he, he spoke to them as a mother was speaking to her children. He spoke to them as a mother who was gentle and caring among those of the church who were weak. Instead of, instead of trying to show authority or dominance over them, instead he expressed his care that he had for them. In the same manner that Jesus Christ expressed the care for the people of Jerusalem when he says, how, how, how often I long to gather you together in my embrace as a hen gathers her hens under her wings. Brethren, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the people, the saints in Thessalonica, and in his writing he used words like gentleness, caring. He calls them loving children, or little children, and loving. He, call, he says, delighted to share. He says that you're dear to me and us as the apostles of Jesus Christ. And in describing his attitude and actions towards those saints, he was like a mother that was speaking to her children. Brethren, ask yourself, should we be any less caring than the Apostle Paul was to the people of Thessalonica and, and, and everywhere else that he took the gospel message? Should we be any less caring toward anyone that, that, that desires to hear the, the word of Christ? As we take the gospel out to friends and family, should we be any less caring? The next idea that I want you to see that, that Paul represents as, as well as Lord Jesus Christ is the idea of work. Brethren, Jesus, he lived and he worked with no other thought than to obey all that his Father had sent him to do. In order to serve the spiritual needs of mankind, he was willing to obey all that the Father had asked of him. No matter how long it was going to take, no matter how difficult the road was going to be, no matter how many challenges or persecutions, Jesus was willing to do all that the Father had spoke to him. He had no home. He had no financial security that we read about, as we learn about in Matthew chapter 8. But he lived the life of a nomad. He lived the life of a traveler who worked tirelessly by teaching and, and healing and showing love and care and compassion for all mankind. 
Brethren, in like manner, the, apparently even the Apostle Paul, he had to remind the people of Thessalonica of his way of life as his manner of living when he was in their presence. Because some of the people in Thessalonica started to challenge Paul. And that's why he had to write that letter. And so, brethren, he reminds them of how he had laboriously preached the gospel and asking nothing in return from them. And maybe this remembrance would just prove to, to, to be a remembrance of his pure motives. Brethren, he brings their attention to the long hours that he labored. The long hours in the extreme toil, the hardship, the working day and night, the supporting himself with secular work, even though we know that in Philippians 4 and 16, he also received help from the people of Philippi. But he says, I want you to remember how I worked day and night while amongst you. While I worked secularly, as well as preached the gospel to you, and while I made sure I took nothing from you, because I wanted to set the example that you should have as you take the word out into the world. He says, but Paul later points out that he worked in such a manner due to the fact that they needed to see, Paul knew that they needed to see an example of personal sacrifice. And he talks about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So again, ask ourselves, are we willing to work? Are we willing to work as hard to grow the church as Paul was? Are we willing to uh, work hard to, to grow the kingdom and do whatever is necessary, no matter how much we have to sacrifice, showing purity of hearts? Are we willing to do the work that the Lord calls us to do? It's a question that each of us need to ask ourselves. Brethren, each of us must strive to do the work of the church. Yes, it is going to be difficult. Yes, it's going to be inconvenient at times. But there is no greater work than kingdom work. There is no greater work than the work of the Lord. Because, brethren, we're going to be judged when we stand before God uh, in judgment based on how we lived, on the, on the way we speak, and on the things that we do. We're going to be judged on the work or the lack thereof that we committed to God and to the kingdom. And the last thing that we're going to look at here this morning is encouragement. Brethren, encouragement is so very important. And as intimidating as it must have been, think about the disciples for a minute. As intimidating as it must have been for them to walk in the presence of the Lord, for them to walk for three years in the presence of the Son of God who knows your every thought. There's nothing you can say or do without Him knowing the purity from which it comes from. Even though, brethren, that must have been intimidating, how great and encouraging must that have been to learn from the master teacher, to learn from God himself, to walk in his presence, to see how he carried out his life. Brethren, who but Jesus could have motivated a man to step out onto open water and expect to walk, as we learned about in Matthew chapter 14. Who but Jesus could have, uh, could, could have convinced somebody that something like that was even possible. You see, brethren, earlier in his writings, the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Thessalonica, he said he compared his service to that of a mother, loving and caring for her children. But he now, re, he now reminds them later in his letter to the people of Thessalonica that he also cared for them as a concerned father. He used such words as encouraging and comforting and urging. And he sought to lead them into the lives worthy of God, worthy unto the calling in which they have been called. And so, brethren, I ask you one more time. Again, I ask the question... How eager are we to edify brethren? How eager are we to convert sinners to Christ? 
You see, there is a great need for leaders in the church, is there not? Do we not have a great need for leaders in the Lord's church and in the kingdom of God? Not just in the form of elders, not just in the form of evangelists, but leaders of ministries, leaders of evangelistic efforts, uh, leaders of uh, spiritual leaders in the homes, leaders of encouragement, leaders of, care, uh, that, leaders of care in the needs of others. You see, brethren, there's lots of different leaders that ne are needed in the Lord's church. There's a myriad of spiritual gifts that we've all been given. We all have various talents and various gifts. And I ask you the simple question, how are you using those gifts as an encouragement to edify and to convert sinners to Christ Jesus? You see, brethren, that's something that we all need to consider. We all get caught up in the busyness of life and we think about just how we just don't have time to do the things that we would love to do. But how often do we set aside other things to make the time for what the Lord calls us to do? Are we willing to remove other things from our lives in order to do the things the Lord calls us to do? You see, brethren, that is how we're going to be judged. Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to, to edify? Are you willing to, to convert sinners by encouraging them, by setting the example, by shining the light, by allowing them to see the imitation of Paul, which was the imitation of Christ? You see, brothers and sisters, if we are willing to add to our lives the qualities of leadership that Paul exemplified in reaching out to the masses and teaching others and strengthening uh, those in whom he came in contact with, then, brethren, we will likely see the church grow. We will see the kingdom grow, and sure, as surely as they did in Thessalonica. So I leave you with this. Ask yourself, are you willing to sacrifice on behalf of the Lord, the church, the kingdom? Are you willing to live a life of purity, as we have, as by example, not only through the Apostle Paul, but through ultimately through Christ Jesus himself? Are we willing to care for others, as, as Jesus did? Are we willing to put forth the work to make sure, to ensure that the church is still around for the next generation? Are we willing to encourage others, brethren, to help convert them to Christianity? Are we willing to encourage them to, to go out, to get out and to use their talents on behalf of the Lord and on behalf of his church? Brethren, if your answer is yes to these questions, well then you're imitating Paul, who was imitating Christ Jesus, and that's a winning formula. So, brethren, I ask you here this morning, if you are not a member of the Lord's Church, but you have been studying, you have been uh, being mentored by somebody, you have been working with somebody, or maybe you've just been reading on your own and your desire is to become a child of God, brethren, you could do that this morning. But maybe there's somebody that's here this morning, you've been away from the Lord's Church for a while, and you know that... You've been in sin, but you want to be restored unto the Lord, and you want to be restored unto the church. Then, brethren, you can come forward, and you can ask the elders to pray over you and to pray with you and to help you to put a plan in place so you can become the best version of you for the glory of Christ and his kingdom. If you wish to come forward this morning, come forward as we stand forward, as we stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>